on October 5th, 2018, in the ghost town of Oro Grande, Idaho, a young man working with a production company for the Discovery Channel show, Gold Rush, is speaking with a crew member when he decides to go relieve himself. When he walks away, without warning, without reason, takes off in a dead sprint down a steep cliff and is never seen again. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Terrence Woods Jr. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement somewhere in the bowels of Georgia. I think I'm going to build a doghouse in the shape of an ark so when my dog pen floods, they can just float around it. That's how much rain we've had. That way I don't have to worry about them. I can moor it to the one tree. <laughs> you know, we were having crap weather here, but buddy of mine, I know I've said it, Shep Dog, who always helps us with the beer, lives about an hour south of Des Moines, and it will not get above freezing until March. Jesus. He sent me a screenshot today. It was negative nine air temperature. Felt like negative 36. Good Lord, man. Yeah. So we got a new patron this week. The artist known as Mindy. Signed up for the sticker tier. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you to all our patrons. And I hear, or I saw, better yet, we had some five-star reviews. But before you get to that, we were number 65 in Slovakia last week. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. We do love the Slovakians. Freaking, that's amazing. Uh, I was going to try to say something towards that, but I don't want to offend nobody. So (laughs) I'm just going to shut the hell up. (laughs) So five-star reviews, what you got, bruh? Let's see here. Two very wonderful five-star reviews uh, come in recently that I think are just amazing. But, you know, what do I know? Um, first one, uh, Kara LK said, Everything I wanted, five stars. I love true crime podcasts, especially when the hosts have good chemistry and we get a real sense of their personalities. These guys have the perfect balance of funny, personal conversations while staying on topic. And as of right now, there aren't any mid-episode ads, thank the Lord. Well, we're working on that. <laughs> I know, I read that, and I was like, oh, they may be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, they may be disappointed soon. But, man, it's money. They If they give us money, we got to do it. But anyway, <laughs> the episodes are full of dark humor and while still being heartfelt for victims, and it's always nice to hear more Southern podcasters out there. This is hands down my new favorite podcast. That's awesome. And we are definitely fucking Southern, so. As they come. <laughs> uh, the next one was uh, MC Fab 8 Just the right mix of true crime and comedy. Five stars. These two guys are hilarious. Episodes are well-researched, Mr. Arlo, and presented. That'd be me. The humor <laughs> is, appreci- is appropriate and doesn't cross the line, which is a tough balance, but they nail it. Completely hooked. Man, that's awesome. I never, again. I know I've said it a thousand times. I never thought anybody would listen but my mom. And she does listen. She loves that plethora. 
She does love the plethora, <laughs> and I have not used it quite as much as I have in the past. But, man, that's just so cool. It is, man. Uh, well, since we are talking about a gold mine, and I happen just to be in the area, I went to uh, Three Rangers Brewery in Dahlonega, Georgia, home of the very first gold rush in America. Also where the gold on the state capitol building dome exactly. came from. Uh, my biggest the, 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 my biggest wish, I'm a coin collector. I'm a big nerd. I want a gold coin from Delon- that was minted from Delonica because they used to have a mint there. But if the, the price of gold is uh, outrageous and the fact that it's from Delonica makes can, it even you harder. You can pretty much double the price. Yeah. I looked at a 10 cent, a gold 10 cent coin. And they were like, "Oh, we want about forty five thousand dollars for it." I was like, "God dang, good low." <laughs> no, it was it was seriously about seventeen hundred, and uh, I can't justify that with my pocketbook. No, so. no, no. But anyway, I went to uh, Three Rangers Brewing Company, and we got the Door Kicker IPA, and it is uh, pretty dang good. I've been sampling it on it. What is he doing? Folks, the the pod dog Todd, a uh, good story about this gentleman. My wife made um, some excellent brisket tacos recently. They were delicious, and she, of course, you know, you cut the fat off. You don't eat all that fat. So my big stupid dog ate about five pounds of pure unadulterated beef fat out of the garbage. Five pounds. He was not feeling too good for a few days. I bet he was under the weather. He, yeah. He, he he was not feeling good. It was a good idea at the time. It's <laughs> oh, probably what was going through his I'm head. I'm sure it was the greatest day of his life when he was doing it. He was like, oh, my God, those are so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I ate something I shouldn't have. <laughs> There's something about labs, man. They will not, under any circumstances, stop eating no. when they're full. No. But they don't stop. So had many of them, and they are headstrong. They will, I had one when I was a kid. His name was Bear. He would get bored and eat the door threshold. He gnawed all the thresholds off of the two exterior doors we had. My daddy wasn't too happy. But anyway, let's get into it. That's enough jibber-jabber. So Mr. Terrence Woods, Jr. This, okay, so I've had a few people, like, start on Twitter and stuff that are requesting certain things. They're like, man, you got to do more cryptids. You got to do more aliens. You got to do this. You got to do that, which I understand. But man, I cannot get away from disappearances. You can't. I just can't. And I watched, I posted on our Facebook links to the, uh, links to uh, some free movies on YouTube, but you can get the missing 411 part one and two on for free on YouTube. And I watched them Friday and man, so if you don't like disappearances, I'm sorry, but you're going to get some more of them. A lot. Because they, they're just fascinating. There's something so fascinating to me about people who literally disappear off the face of the earth that cannot be found. I think it's because I've always wanted to do that. Not be found dead later, but, you know. Just disappear. <laughs> yeah. Do a walkabout. Yeah, you know. So Mr. Terrence Woods Jr. grew up in Capitol Heights, Maryland, and he was one of three children to Valerie and Terrence Woods Sr. Terrence Jr. was a University of Maryland graduate, and he had lived in London for approximately five years. And while he was there, he was attending the American International University. I could not find what he was studying at said university, but probably had something to do with broadcast. Yeah, I would say so. 
Friends that, that makes just too much sense. Yeah. Friends and family would <clears throat> describe him as being a kind, loving, and someone who had a great sense of humor. He began his career around broadcast television shows, working on The Voice UK and BBC One's Saving Africa's Elephant, Hugh and the Ivory War. Rochelle Newman, a producer based in the UK, stated, I met Terrence at an event which was part of the TV diversity scheme we were both on. He was always bubbly, passionate about his work, and was on his way to a long, successful career in television. Now, Terrence briefly worked as a researcher at Raw in London before moving back in with his parents toward the end of the summer of 2018. And Raw is a big broadcast company based in the UK. His time with Raw would land him a contract working as a production assistant on a spinoff of Discovery's series Gold Rush. They would start filming in the Penman Mine, an abandoned gold mine in the... Middle of freaking nowhere. Yeah, and in the, you, like middle of freaking nowhere, Idaho, and that is Idaho is pretty damn rural. It's freaking beautiful though. I was I went there recently, and man, it is a fabulous state. They were in the rugged countryside of Idaho County, Idaho, for Gold Rush. Dave Turns lost mine, and this Day Turns. Who's Day Turns? This uh, series has. <laughs> A had a, a still is. I mean, it's successful first season and second season. So no, he, I don't watch it. I don't watch the Gold Rush stuff I either. I watch. I am obsessed with that stinking Oak Island show. Oh, I am too. But I am almost fed. I am just fed up. Well, I think this year's blow Oak the island, island up. I want to find find that shit. This year, I think they've found enough cool stuff. They oh they have clearly proven that there's something something was there if not still, you know they somebody did something to that island yeah they've they've literally found too much stuff yeah oh yeah so what should have been another bullet point on young Terrence's resume quickly took a very odd turn to say the very least yes on the morning of October fifth twenty eighteen. Woods texted his father to let him know he was coming home in five days. Yeah, he was supposed to be out there for like, what? Six weeks. Six weeks, and yeah. it's only been like three, maybe. The reason for this is unknown because originally he would have stayed until mid-November. His father would state later that Terrence Jr. never offered an explanation and was kind of matter-of-fact about it. Terrence would tell, or I'm sorry, Terrence Sr., he had discovered that Terrence Jr. never offered an explanation to Raw, but did send them an email stating that he wanted to go see his mother, Valerie Woods, back in Maryland because she had some health issues. Now, according to Valerie, she had informed Terrence before he left for Idaho that she was not going to require surgery for her health issues as she originally thought. And they really didn't go into what kind of health problems she was having but it sounds like it wasn't as severe as they originally thought. Yeah. And she felt like that he, she had calmed some of his fears about being away from her. So we get into, and this is really a timeline of what's going on. So in the fall of 2018, he gets the job with uh, Raw TV. And 
Raw is the one that came up with the premise for Discovery's original show, Gold Rush. And so this would take Terrence into uh, Montana and Idaho for several weeks, starting on October 1st, 2018. And it should have concluded the second week of November. They were making a, like we said earlier, a TV series about an abandoned gold mine called the Penman Mine. And it's about 6,000 feet excuse me, in elevation. And it's located in the Oregon Day area of the Nez Perez Clearwater National Forest. Now, including Terrence Jr., the crew consisted of 12 people. So on September the 30th of 2018, Mr. Woods Sr. dropped Terrence Jr. off at the airport in Maryland. This would be the last time he would see his son. Starting on October the 5th, or I'm sorry, starting on October the 1st to October the 5th, from landing at the airport to Friday morning, Terrence was in Montana. During this time, he was said to be in good spirits. He was texting his dad pictures of the scenery, telling him everything was going great. Approximately 10.58 p.m. Idaho time on 10 4 of 2018, and that would put it at 12.58 Maryland time, he sent his dad a text message saying, hey, dad, just got to the hotel in Idaho. Then later the following morning around approximately 12.58 Idaho time, he texts his dad again, and he sends a video of the um, river cutting through a, a rocky canyon. The text had no locator or words with where he was at or what, where the river was at. But later, during an investigation by the Washington, D.C. news outlet, and I do not have their W-whatever-whatever, a reporter who saw the video <laughs> remarked that it, uh, it was creepy, creepy and foreboding, yeah, is what, eerie, the way they yeah, explained just it. Just like eerie, because it was nowhere, no, he didn't say anything, he just filmed this river running through a gorge, basically. Just for a few seconds and sent it. But, you know, if he hadn't disappeared, it probably would, you know, it's not going to be that foreboding. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> the situation causes it to be more eerie than it probably was. So around 3 a.m. Idaho time, which is 5 a.m. Maryland time, Terrence calls his dad to tell him he made it to the location, everything is okay, not much more is said, and he tells his dad that he would talk to him later in the day. So the film crew was using Elk City, Idaho as their base of operation. Around 5.44 a.m. Idaho time, Terrence texts his dad again and said, quote, I'm coming home on Wednesday the 10th. And like we said, this is cutting his trip short by basically six weeks. I mean, he just has landed. This is something his dad said that Terrence has never done. Terrence was supposed to be in Idaho working on that documentary until mid-November. So for him to basically only be in Idaho for a couple of days, and then he's made his mind up, I'm coming home on the 10th. Around 3 p.m. Idaho time, Terrence Sr. texts Junior back, but the crew was already in the middle of its all-day shoot in a remote area, which was a few hours north of the hotel they were staying at, and there was no cell service. Terrence Sr. is not sure if Terrence Jr. ever saw that text. Hmm. And I have no idea what it said. I could not find what 
he was saying to him. Good God, man. I know. Piss poor. Piss poor research. How can you not find that? You found all that shit on uh, <laughs> yeah. Phil Schneider and you can't find one text message? <laughs> so on October the 5th, 2018, the crew spent the day filming in the mountainous areas of the Penman Mine. What happens next is extremely unexplainable. It, you know, second verse, same as the first. This, this whole podcast doesn't make sense. Nothing we've talked about makes sense. But this, but this especially is insane. So according to the on-site production manager... Simon, who would later recall what happened to Terrence Sr., he states that, quote, so we were finishing up for the day and your son was yeah, talking. He's, he's relaying the information yeah, to Terrence Sr. To one of the miners. I was in one of the vehicles doing some work when your son told that miner that he had to go relieve himself. Something told me, kind of like a gut feeling, to look over near the cliff your son was at. Which, when is, I, which is strange. Yeah. That if that's true... That's 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 fairly strange that you just I'm gonna something in my something in my all of a gut, sudden I had a gut feeling to tell me to watch this dude pee. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's kind of weird. When I looked over there, I saw that his radio was lying on the ground. I I originally thought your son fell off the cliff, so I leaped out of the vehicle and ran over there immediately. To my shock, your son was already 15 feet down the cliff, running like a hare. That'd be a rabbit. I don't know why, but everything that I researched really like latched on to that word. Like the for for whatever reason. He's like he's like he said it was a hair. That's just a direct quote. It's a hair. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like why is that so important? I don't I, I didn't know that when my with the research I was doing. He said, quote, I've never seen anyone run that fast. At that point, I yelled to the crew to get a vehicle and go to the main road. I proceeded down the cliff after your son, but he kept running. Due to my professional search and rescue training, I stopped running after him out of fear he'd be further scared. So I went back up the cliff, and the crew hadn't found your son on the main road. At this point, we found the first house with a phone and reported your son missing. Now, a local woman from Elk City that was with the film crew, Cherie, eventually corroborated this story that Simon told and local, local law enforcement stated she was a very reliable witness. Terrence Jr. was reportedly acting strangely and was noticeably quiet. It is also reported that his cell phone was with him at the time he ran into the wilderness. But it, I'm telling you, it wouldn't matter. Like... When they're talking, it is, if you are not, if you've never been to Idaho, it is hard to describe how remote that shit is. That is remote. We were driving late at night coming back from Yosemite. I mean, uh, Yellowstone, not Yosemite. Coming back from Yellowstone and we were driving through Idaho. Bro, if we'd have broken down, <laughs> we would have died. Like... <laughs> There was one car, there was one semi-truck in front of us, and I mean, he was booking it. And I literally kept pace with him, like 90 out of miles fear. an hour, out of fear that <laughs> he's the last human I'm ever going to see if we break down. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like he was going to help me, he was way in front of us, but man, it is unbelievably remote. So around 6.41 p.m. local time on October the 5th, 2018, the 911 call comes into the Idaho County Sheriff's Office. And this is from the call log, and it reads, quote, advised that a male, Terrence Woods, 27, from London, works for a TV company who was creating a movie in the area of the Penman Mine. 
never been in the woods, no guns. Terrence has been having a really hard time emotionally and had a mental breakdown earlier today. Dark complexion and light clothes. Terrence is not going to respond back to responders per reporter. Terrence does not have communication. There are people searching for him now, end quote. That is in the the 911 report? Mm -hmm. said that he had a mental breakdown? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And I thought that was odd, too. Yeah, like, okay, to me... Oh, yeah, that's just fucking strange. But to me, that maybe somebody, if you go out of your way to say that. Right. You Are you covering? Are you trying to establish something? Uh, yeah. Are you like. Yeah. Are yeah. you trying to make sure that everyone knows something? That, yeah. 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 That's It's extremely odd. That, that raises my, my, my. Spotty senses. Yeah. Yeah. They started tingling. Yeah. Just a little. So on October the 6th, Simon calls Terrence Sr. to tell him his son is missing. In addition to the detailed account of what happened to Terrence Jr., he mentioned some issues he had with Terrence leading up to his disappearance. Simon says, <laughs> yeah, I know, to Terrence Sr., quote, Terrence Jr. came highly recommended to us and was our first pick. When I met your son, you know he didn't live up to my standards. What? Well, I asked him to do different things, and he didn't know what to do. He said there were other things your son did not do that I didn't like. And one report I heard, or it was an article, and I can't remember, according to one of the other crew members, this Simon guy, I think is the director, and he had asked Terrence to go get him some fruit. Well, there was like this huge fruit tray, and he was like, well, what do you want? And he just belittled him right there in front of God and everybody. Mm -hmm. Well, you should know what I want. You should just go over there and get me some fruit. You should know. So just real, what a dick. yeah, dick move. And then are you going to go out of your way? It's like, hey, your son's missing, but I never liked him. He wasn't very good. Yeah, he like, was a disappointment. Why, why are you going to, why? Why are you going to say that? Especially to a, a grieving parent. Oh, yeah, a worried parent like that does not know where their son is. And is a half, you know, three-fourths of the way across the yeah. country. From the evening of October 5th to... The end of October the 11th, there was a massive search and rescue operation involving multiple counties and law enforcement agencies. Search crews were on ATVs. They had multiple dog teams in the area. A helicopter with heat-sensing technology was in the air. There were also crews on horseback. But search conditions were extremely difficult due to the rugged terrain. One searcher commented, quote, You couldn't even walk through there, all the downed trees and the brush. By midweek, heavy rain and snow in the high mountains hampered the helicopter search. The only real clue being that Terrence Jr. reached the road at the base of the cliff before his scent went cold. He did not stop by any of the nearby houses to call for help, the sheriff said. And the sheriff is quoted as saying, It's rough country and there are mine shafts up there. All kinds of things could have happened, but we searched for him. Mm. Sheriff Giddings said there were two key witnesses. One was a local woman who was providing transport for the shoot and Mr. Simon Gee. And I'm sorry, he was not the director. He was an associate producer. Still doesn't mean he wasn't a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Extreme dick. Both described how <laughs> Woods ran down some with some speed down the cliff, according to the sheriff with other members of the team chasing after him simon provided assistance with the efforts to locate terrence jr again quoting that he was trained in search and rescue and again i find that odd that you well i'm trained in search and rescue i should do this 
I don't know. I know people are weird, but damn. It's, I mean, you can read into that, but I, I, I don't know. I don't think that's that strange. So after you, seven days. If you, if you are training search and rescue and no one else is, why wouldn't you be the one, you know, why wouldn't you step up? You know, to me, that makes sense. To you, you think he's a dick. Well, he's a dick. He said he was a disappointment. <laughs> After seven days of searching, the Idaho, Idaho, Idaho County Sheriff's you Department definitely the started to scale back the search. And on the 11th, after not finding any trace of Terrence, they kind of ended it. It was reported that at some point during the search, law enforcement officials went into Simon Gee's room to make sure it was locked. However, people from the crew had already been in his room to supposedly get articles of clothing that Terrence had for the tracking dogs to get his scent. It has also been reported by the news media that law enforcement never asked for Terrence's cell phone records and never did a search history of Terrence's laptop. Both would have required going to a judge and getting a subpoena, which would require evidence of a crime or that he is endangered. Law enforcement officials concluded the evidence showed Terrence intended to disappear. Many were shocked this had... That doesn't make any sense. Okay, I'm sorry. The whole thing don't make sense. Many were shocked. Not just your garbled words. (laughs) Many of the crew were shocked because, according to them, this never happened. People familiar with the case and cases like this would say that it would not have been hard to get the proper authority to do the searches because, granted, he is in danger. He just ran down a damn cliff, not saying anything. Mm -hmm. In an interview, the local sheriff said that the the guys working the search and rescue operation will tell you that Terrence was not in this area the area that we searched. They determined that he slid down the bank and made it to the road. After that, they do not know where he would have gone. They said if he was hurt or injured, they would have found him, and if he had done something fatal, the dogs would have found him. Mm -hmm. However, another officer said he was shocked he could get out of the area. The forest is thick with deadfall lodgepole and Douglas fir trees that have toppled down each year upon year upon year. Mm -hmm. The officer described it as trying to run through a giant pickup sticks pack with some parts so thick with deadfall that your feet would never touch the ground. Search teams also found no prints in the fresh snow with no indication whatsoever that Terrence was ever there. Raw TV would release a statement stating, quote, we can confirm that Terrence Woods, a member of one of our production teams, went missing on Friday, October the 5th in Oro Grande, Nez Perez National Forest, Idaho. The Idaho County Sheriff's Office was immediately informed and they implemented a search and rescue operation. Mr. Woods is a well-liked value member of the production team and we have been working closely with the Sheriff's Office, which has been leading the search. Mr. Wood's family are in direct contact with the sheriff's office. All inquiries regarding the status of the search should be directed to the Idaho County Sheriff's Office. So the main thing now is there's two questions. Why and where? Why did he run off and where did he go? My question is, what was his perceived destination? Well, that's what I'm saying. He's like, there's this... I mean, did he have something in mind? Or, I mean... 
Uh, these are all questions we can't answer, First of, course, of all, who sprints? Down a cliff. I mean, in general. Like, when, honest to God, when's the last time you sprinted and you ran as fast as you possibly could? High school? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so law enforcement believe a possible panic attack or mental breakdown occurred. Okay. As a person that has panic attacks. I'm not running when I have one. I've had several. Uh, well, I, well, I'm not going to sprint, but for whatever reason, when I have a panic attack, my brain thinks the panic attack is occurring exactly where I am. So you got to get out of there. I have to go somewhere else. Right. To relieve the, like. The, the I've perceived, ha- yeah. Yeah, I've had my wife pull over in the car and let me get out of the car. Like, because the panic attack's happening in the car. It's not happening on the side of the road. You know what I'm saying? I understand that. Sounds that yes. weird, and it's no, but it's, it's it stupid, makes sense. But it, it's it's what it's what happens. Right, it does make sense. Mine come in the form of chest pains, and I think I'm having a heart attack. Oh yeah, that, me too. Like bad. Yeah, like to the point where I've gone to the emergency room a couple of times. Yeah, I, I, my first five panic attacks, I went to the emergency room, had EKGs, and they're yeah. like, "Bro, you can't. You got to stop coming here." Like, <laughs> well, I finally on the third time I went, finally got a doctor and they were like have you ever had panic attacks i'm like from not not that i know of and she said well panic attacks can mask as flu symptoms they can mask as uh chest pain stroke everything yeah and i was like oh well what am i she goes what are you stressed about i wanted to go Uh, ma'am i teach school and coach you name it (laughs) you name it sweetheart but yeah the worst thing about panic is it builds on itself so you're your panic causes more panic. Right, right. Causes more panic. Causes and the more, more you concentrate on yeah, the symptoms, yeah. it gets worse and it's worse terrible. and worse. It's awful. <laughs> but there are conflicting reports that someone had said that Terrence Jr. had to be detained before he disappeared. Really? I did not see this. Now, supposedly, other people were like, it was not... They were not detaining just Terrence, that they were having a debriefing with the crew to go over what kind of wildlife was in the area and how to not get killed, basically. That's good. That's good. Uh, good meeting. Yeah. Good meeting to have. <laughs> law, law enforcement said that Terrence wanted to get lost. In an interview, the sheriff said that there are about two people per square mile. And 8,500 square miles, so it's only 16,000 people total in the area. So that goes to you driving through and seeing no one. (laughs) It is a very large, open, unpopulated area where you could go missing very easily. It needs, everyone listening needs to go visit Idaho. It has to be experienced. Go to Salt Lake City and drive from Salt Lake City to Yellowstone. In the middle of the night, and go through Idaho, and tell me, report back your experience. It is freaky deaky. So the parents would suspect foul play. Which who could blame? Them? Yeah, especially as the production crew and sheriff's office, according to them, were not very helpful. Well, and the thing is, it's uh, several reports about how his interactions with the crew were kind of. 
uh, not as positive as you would want. Like, apparently, like, the entire crew was seasoned. They had been working together for a long time. And now here comes this And outsider. now here comes this new dude, and he just, from whatever, he just didn't fit in. It's what the reports are saying. Terrence Sr. would go on to a radio station, and the topic of race would come up, and the te- the detective on the case got offended, pissed off, and responded via email, explicitly denying race played any role in their investigation. The detective further stated they were no longer going to communicate with the father. Oh, wow. Yeah. Again, the family is extremely skeptical Skeptical, skeptical about the witnesses' versions of events. And this is from his father. Quote, you say my 97-pound son ran down the cliff without tripping, falling, or hurting himself. You don't have a trace of his blood or piece of his clothing, and he ran like a hare and ran so fast nobody could catch him. Sheriff Giddings admitted that it would have been a difficult feat because it was a very steep terrain but did say that it was not impossible because other crew members managed to run after him and they also were unharmed so in the days following the disappearance raw tv would fly mr wood senior and the mother valerie from maryland to idaho where they would meet with simon gee and two other raw executives at the sheriff's office. According to Mr. Woods Sr. and Sheriff Giddings, it was not an easy discussion. Mr. Woods Sr. I don't see how it could have been. No. Mr. Woods Sr. vividly recalls an exchange in which Simon said Woods had been a, quote, disappointment to him and didn't live up to his expectations. That's just why I just, I don't... Why I say it twice? Yeah. Valerie... His mother would also remember that exchange and described Simon as very cold. Raw TV's position is that Simon did not say he had been disappointed in Woods at any point in his communications with the family. Simon did recall saying to Woods Sr. that his son appeared distracted at times, but this was in order to establish whether it was out of character for him. Raw also acknowledged that Woods, Terrence Jr., struggled with some tasks over his six days with the team, but he was offered support and his performance started to improve. Sheriff Giddings did not recall the specifics from the meeting in his office, but said that the family was noticeably upset. Well, no shit. Yeah, you're having, your missing son is a disappointment to some random dude. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm going to be upset. Now, Mr. Wood Sr. said what they heard from Rawl raised questions about how Terrence Jr. was treated. And, quote, something happened of foul play, and they're trying to cover it up, he told the website Deadline. Asked what he meant by foul play, he replied, quote, my son saw something or heard something he didn't agree with, and he wanted to leave. Ross said the police found no evidence to support speculative concerns about foul play. Sheriff Giddings added there was no evidence of any mistreatment and, quote, they wanted to believe that the movie company was guilty of something and we couldn't determine that the movie company was guilty of anything. The reality is that without Woods' version of events, we will never have a full picture of his experience. Terrence's older sister, I'm going to mess this up. (laughs) 
Sharnia. It's S-H-A-R-N-I-A. It's probably Sharnia. Tisdale says her brother is a bright man who is ambitious and has a kind and loving heart and that the activity Idaho County Police described is completely out of character. Quote, I talked to him before he went out there and he seemed fine. He was going to go out, do a job with the film crew, and he was going to come home. Nothing abnormal and he was not acting any different. We talk all the time. He is not the type of person that would just run off or do something like this. So it seems unusual to me, but you know I wasn't there, so I could only go by what they are saying. Mm -hmm. He's traveled around the world. He really likes to do TV. He is a loving and caring person and an all-around good man. Now, rumors about Woods' state of mind during the shoot surfaced early on in the investigation. The one thing that they hang on is that 911 call log. Terrence has been having a really hard time emotionally and had a mental breakdown earlier today, according to the transcript. Sheriff, now who's on? Do we know who no, made I, the call? I never did find who made the call. They just have the 911. Hmm. And it wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it would be the Simon guy because he supposedly is chasing after him and told someone else to call 911. Mm hmm. But I never did find who actually did make the call. Is, is, do we have any more information about said breakdown? No, that's it. Just keep they just throw that out there, and I don't know, you know, what's their definition of a mental breakdown? Was he pissed off? Was he mad? He didn't have cell service, or was it just the fact that he was out in the middle of nowhere and it sucked? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't see that as being a mental breakdown. Well, that's what I'm saying. If if the person on the phone is using those words then clearly they, if it's true, they clearly saw something that would indicate a mental breakdown. So it's probably something that's extreme. Yeah, that's what I would think. you don't just throw that word. I don't, I mean, personally, I don't just throw that word around. Oh, you had a mental breakdown. Yeah. No, wait, why? Oh, he was mad. No. No, that's not like a mental you breakdown. You a mental breakdown. You were having a mental breakdown. Yeah. Chef Giddings recalled that when he interviewed the crew, the crew had an underlying thought that, Terrence Jr. was, quote, a little bit weird, but it was not upsetting to them. He was just, like you said, he's, they're all used to each other's personalities and stuff. And so here's this new guy. And so they may find some things that he does different. And he's lived in London for five years. So he may have picked up something over there that people just don't do in the States. Nobody, I mean, again, I have no findings to you know, delve into that further, but it's it, all of that's just, all of this shit's a little bit weird. His father was clear that Terrence Jr. had, quote, no mental problems, no health problems, no communication problems. And he says, it doesn't make sense when I hear people say that he struggled with his mental health or that he didn't live up to expectations. A friend of his, Cassandra Hall Alexander, stated, quote, I spent six months on a TV production course with him and he always exceeded expectations and never, ever showed signs of having any mental health problems. Idaho County Sheriff Doug Giddings acknowledged that at the very least, there appeared to be an uneasy dynamic between Woods and the rest of the crew. And this is his own thoughts. And he states, quote, my interpretation of what they said is that the kid was a little different. He came into the group late and there were questions about some of his behaviors, but nothing that was blown up as big as what the family is trying to say and make, at, make it out to be. He also went on to explain, quote, we determined that he wasn't happy there and there were several people who weren't happy with him. 
end quote. Oh, wow. Yeah. The article I found says that Terrence Jr. may not have been alone in feeling like an outsider in the established Gold Rush TV production world, I guess is how you would put it. A source who had previously worked on a Gold Rush episode or another TV show surrounding Gold Rush described an atmosphere in which established members of the team were not particularly welcoming of newcomers. Quote, by its nature, it's quite a blokey show. That's, what? It says blokey. Blokey? B-L-O-K-E-Y. I don't know what the hell that oh, means. Oh, that's, well, yeah. Uh, bloke, you know, is a well, friend, like friend. Like it's like the blokey, I guess, means. Uh, I guess so. But why use blokey? But anyway. I don't know. And that's what they're aiming for. It's a tight-knit group. It's the kind of place where people sigh and say things like, it's political correctness gone mad, the industry insider said of their experience. Uh, blokey is, says, associated with the mainstream male culture, particularly blue-collar. Huh. For its part, Rawls said that Terrence Jr. was a, quote, well-liked and valued member of the production team, and his disappearance has deeply affected us all. Adding, quote, we have the deepest sympathy for his family and friends. It is truly heartbreaking that Terrence has not been found, and we continue to hope that he will be. In such a tragic case, there will inevitably be speculation about his disappearance, which is neither helpful or fair to Terrence, his family, or the crew who worked so hard to try and help. The thorough police investigation has found no evidence to support any of the speculative claims, and this remains a tragedy. Rawls' cooperation with the police and its assistance with the search has not prevented Terrence Sr. from feeling like they did not have the company's full backing in the mission to find their son. In the days following the incident, Valerie and Sam Menard, Rawls' EVP of U.S. Factual Programming, exchanged... sensory perception? <laughs> <laughs> Electronic voice phenomenon. Come on. Oh, yeah. Jesus. ESP, yeah. Dumbass. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) They exchanged emails about hiring a private detective. You got me there. Valerie requested financial support. Valerie is, well, there's two Valerie's. I guess Valerie, yeah. So I guess Valerie is wanting financial support to hire a private detective, but this Sam Maynard character declined it, saying that it could muddy up the waters of the police investigation. Assistant Sheriff... I don't... I I mean, maybe that was his train of thought, but how could more investigation hurt? I don't know. And you would probably... I don't know. This is just me, but I would think as a big entity like that, you would want your own private detective there... So that you can be ahead of anything that might come into a negative light for the company, but that's just my... So Assistant Sheriff Gorges was clear to us that they remain the best avenue of investigation to try and find him, Sam Menard wrote in an email, adding, We are genuinely mystified as to why Terrence chose to run off. We would like to reassure you that our people on the ground were highly experienced, professional, and supportive of Terrence, and worked around the clock to try and help in the search and rescue operation. In a later email, Mr. Maynard confirmed that Terrence Jr. had been paid in full for the work he had done. Again, that that right there, what? But the work wasn't done. No. So, or, I mean, I guess maybe a weekly paycheck, or I don't know. Maybe. I guess, I don't know. Terrence's family 
did eventually work with two private investigators, but they did not turn up any significant new evidence. Wood Sr. and or his wife Valerie said that they have not heard from Raw in more than a year. Terrence Sr. said he has made a, quote, number of phone calls to Raw's London office, which have not been returned. They have not been helpful at all, said the mother. Raw's position is that it was unaware that they had even called the office and have no such calls logged. Well, here's my question, and I'm not, I'm not trying to... What are your expectations for Raw? What are they supposed to do? Yeah, I don't, I don't... They turned it over to the authorities. The authorities, are like, why? I, I don't know. Like, why? What? Uh, that's just my question. What is your expectation? What would satisfy you to the point that... They flew you out there so that you could speak to the sheriff, so that you could get first-hand account of what they were doing. But again, but I mean... And I'm not taking up for them. And no, it, not at all. I'm just saying that they... It sounds like, so far, that they've done what you would expect a company to do. Yeah, but I mean, and plus they're missing their son, man. It's not like They are and they they're just using They're they're distraught. It's not like they may not be thinking rationally. They may not you know, but whatever. But all I'm saying is what do you expect? I don't know, but it says that in this article it stated that pressure on the company has come from other sources as well. A person familiar with the case emailed CEO Jolie Feather and other Raw executives on July the 10th calling on it to donate to a fund to help find Terrence. Now, that, 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 that's not unreasonable. To show, now, this is their quote, to show that black lives do matter, the company could do something to help, the individual said. Feather replied, saying Raw put, quote, a great deal of effort and resource into finding Terrence and said she understood how upsetting the family has found this. It is truly heartbreaking that Terrence has not been found, and we continue to hope that he will be. The case remains open, and we have been asked to refer all inquiries to the sheriff's office. Sheriff Giddings stopped short of describing the case as open, but said his officers would investigate new leads should they arrive. It's more of a runaway case than than it is a missing person, he stated. He's still missing as far as we know, but we are not actively searching for him, he added. It's just really weird and unexplainable. For some people, the unexplained circumstances of Terrence Jr.'s disappearance have been compounded by another missing person's case on the same day, approximately 50 miles north of Terrence's last location. And this is a lady named Connie Johnson. Yeah, she's going to disappear from Big Rock Base Camp in Idaho County, Idaho, 14 miles from the town of Powell. She's going to be last seen on October 2nd, but she's going to be reported missing on the 5th. And she is, well, she's in her 70s working as a cook for a hunting camp. She has never been seen since, but her dog, Ace, was found. Yeah, she disappears um, from there. When the hunters return from their hunt, they come up to a table and they find her jacket. And underneath her jacket, they're going to find her gun. But they don't see her or the dog. They are going to state that they made contact with her on October 3rd via radio. But none of the hunters were able to understand what she was saying. Could you imagine this little podunk sheriff's office? 
on the same day you have a lady at a hunting cabin go missing and you have a man run down the side of a cliff and disappear mm-hmm. on the same day. That's insane. What um, are the chances? Yeah, but yeah, like I said, on October 3rd, they do make radio contact with her, but no one can understand what she's saying. Hmm. Yeah. So some, uh, I'm thinking here is a, is a medical thing. Yeah, that's what it sounds that's like. That's to me. But who leaves their gun? Especially in the wilderness. In, I mean, that's like putting your belt on up there. You yeah. carry a gun with you. Like, if you leave your gun, you're that's crazy. That's, yeah. That shows something's very, very wrong. But, yeah, she's going to disappear, be reported missing the same day as uh, Terrence. So it's very, very strange. Sheriff Giddings said that there was no connection between the cases and any suggestion to the contrary had been, quote, thought up by those who were nowhere near the mountain or have any firsthand knowledge of either incident. Yeah, like, there's no, no, there's just no way that they're connected. I mean, they may be connected paranormally or whatever, but those two people did not know each other, I can assure you. Terrence did not know her, she did not know Terrence, and their disappearance, whatever happened, it was not because they planned it or some some crap like that. Right, right. Like, oh, we're going to run off together. No. No. And a matter of fact, two days later, another man's going to go missing. Jose Mendez Morales is going to go missing. And he he was from Tacoma, Tacoma area. Yeah. He was traveling to Elk City. Which is the place where Terrence stayed. Yeah. He's going to be reported missing two days after. So on the 7th, October 7th. He had been missing since September 25th because his, he just had not made contact with his family. But he is actually going to be found safe and sound. So so getting back to our case of Terrence Jr., there are several scenarios that we will go over and kind of just shoot them down as we go. The first one that was brought up was suicide or mental breakdown. But Terrence mentioned in his own journal... Um, quote, great reset, where he said he was tired of traveling, was ready to head back home and settle down. Several entries in his journal about being tired of London life and all the travel. Law enforcement dismissed the journal as indecipherable rants and gave it back to his parents. But it's a journal. It's your journal. You can write whatever the hell you want to. Yeah. The other one is drug use and we know that there is no such report or anything in his past to warrant that he was on some kind of crazy-ass drug. The other one is afraid of a crew member, and they base this on texts that Terrence Jr. sent Terrence Sr. I don't know. I don't know if he was afraid of a crew member, but I don't know. Uh, the next one is exposure, or what they call terminal burrowing. It would absolutely be too cold at night without gear in October. Perhaps he had gone to kill himself, maybe changed his mind, but was lost and succumbed to the elements. Most people have heard about paradoxical undressing, but a common problem for searchers is the fact that when people are hurt or about to die, they will almost burrow or hunker down in hard-to-see places. It's called terminal burrowing i never heard of that hmm. that goes back to your hunker down don't hunker down just keep moving God, they say though that that's what you're supposed to do you're supposed to hunker down 
But exposure in, in this burrowing thing, if that was the case, I feel like the dogs would have caught his scent. But, you know, there's nothing yeah, saying. Exactly, exactly. If you're if that's what happened, the dogs would smell. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is an animal attack. But, again, there's no signs of disturbed ground. There's no blood. There's no clo- torn clothing, nothing. Another one was that he was murdered by one of the crew. But that show is so high profiled and it's probably a big money thing for the local community too i don't Mm -hmm. see them i don't see that but i mean who knows now this is let me i'll come back to that one now that because there's an article i want to touch on the one of the other ones is panic in the woods and this is according to a blog on the paranormal guide Panic in the Woods has been associated with the pagan god Pan, protector of wild places, whose unseen presence inspires causeless terror, kind of like a panic attack. Victims experience an overwhelming feeling of paranoia, such as a sinister force nearby and sense imminent danger. This usually leads to the person fleeing the area, desperately seeking out civilization. One curiously common characteristic of this is that people often describe that the woodlands will go completely silent, deafening the witness before the loud pitch sound sets in a few moments later. Deafening silence and paranoia in the woods are related to the real-life cryptid (laughs) goat man and skinwalkers. At least one article on the phenomenon has been written for the Fortean Times magazine by Patrick Harper titled Landscapes of Panic. The behavior is a common post on many paranormal forums and mission, mission, shit, (laughs) message boards. That's not even close. Mission and message. (laughs) It's the cold. It's the, this basement so fucking cold. I cannot damn think. It is cold. (laughs) I don't understand. Like, Like it's. It's a basement. It should not be 20 <laughs> degrees colder than the outdoor, the out of doors. Now, the last one, that, w- and this is the one I wanted to touch on with the article, is called Call of the Void, also known as High Place Phenomenon, or HPP. People often feel this call of the void when standing somewhere high up. You could also experience this type of impulse when doing other things that involve a high risk of danger. For example... The call of the void can involve thoughts or urges to jerk the steering wheel and turn into oncoming traffic while driving, jump into very deep water from a boat or a bridge, stand on train or subway tracks or jump in front of a train, cut yourself while holding a knife or other sharp object. When these urges come up, you quickly counter them, telling yourself you'd never do that. You know what would happen in any of those scenarios, but you still think about doing it, however quickly the thought passes. And the article is from NBC News, and it's titled, That Weird Urge to Jump Off a Bridge Explained. And this is by Brian Alexander. And he starts off, it's a real short article. He says that, you know, kind of like we just talked about, the the urge to do stupid things like that come over you, but you have no desire to kill yourself. Believe it or not, this feeling now has a name, he states, and a research study published in the Journal of Effective 
affective disorders from a team of Florida State University psychology department explored this freaky feeling and dubbed it the high place phenomenon. You know, I think that I have experienced this at one point. I was work when I was very well, I was probably like 20, 25, 20 between 20 and 25 I was working. And I don't know about the hurting yourself, but I got this overwhelming sensation to just punch the person I was talking to. Like I was not mad at them. I wasn't anything. But it almost consumed me to the point where I almost did it. Like, I had no idea why I felt that way. I was just like, something in my brain was like, punch, just punch the shit out of <laughs> Like, deck them, deck them right now. And I mean, like, it faded away, but I'm, I'm, I'm fairly sure that what you're describing is what I went through, because I have no explanation for it. Now, there was a Dr. Hames that is quoted in this article that says that they started this as trying to shine some light on one of Freud's ideas that some people have a death wish and that some suicides are purely impulsive absent of any sign of depression or even sadness they surveyed 431 college students asking them about urges to jump from high places and thoughts of suicide they also assessed students levels of depression and their sensitivity to anxiety that doesn't mean how anxious they are it means how sensitive they are to the physical effects such as Faster heartbeat, shortness of breath, those kind of things. About a third of the people in the sample said they felt the urge to jump at least once. People who had thought of suicide were more likely to say yes, but over 50% of those who said they'd never consider suicide experienced the phenomenon too. When they correlated their results, they came to the following. Admittedly, Somewhat speculative scenario. Imagine a person with high anxiety sensitivity. She leans over a ledge of the Grand Canyon. In super fast reaction to her physical sensation of anxiety, her survival instinct forces her away from the edge. Yet when she looks at the ledge, she sees it sturdy. There was never any danger. Her brain tries to process an answer to the question, why did I back up if it was so safe? A logical answer is that she must have been tempted to jump. Hmm. And Dr. Hames says that people misinterpret the instinctual safety signal and conclude they must have felt an urge to leap. Hence, their study's title, An Urge to Jump, affirms to urge to live. Again, it's kind of odd, but I I don't know. It says that people... um, some psychologists have kind of tied this to like thrill seekers. And this one psychologist, Pauline Wallen in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania, thinks that Dr. Hames might be onto something, but also suggests that people think about leaping from high place for the same reason a 13, that 13 year olds like going to Halloween haunted houses for the thrill and as practice for, quote, not buckling under the fear. So. I don't know. I mean, it's there's a Facebook page um, titled, Do You Ever Get a Strange Urge to Drive Off a Bridge or Jump Off a Cliff? Tell us about the last time you remember it happening 
And the Facebook page is titled, it's not going to let me tie, dang it. Let's see if I can get in, but I can't. No, it's not going to let me. <laughs> but anyway, there's a Facebook page out there. I don't think I'm getting oppositional defiant disorder. Okay. Anyway. Let's move on then. <laughs> All right, man. Well, so let's get to our thoughts. And I'm going to tell you, man, I don't, well, still, I, I don't, I can't like just first, nail one down. All right. Well, this, where do you think he went? I don't know. Let's that's the thing. Where? I mean, I would have to see a map of the area and I couldn't ever find exactly where this Penman mine was located. I'm thinking he actually went, uh, maybe not to the mine, that part, but maybe a cave. I mean, it's got to be. Well, that's what I was about to say. It's I think he may have run down, run across the road and either A, fell into a mine or kept running to, like you said, he found a cave and yeah. kind of come to his senses, and, but by then he's lost. Yeah. But, I mean, the why will never. I mean, you can speculate that he saw something, the crew doing something. What if maybe he saw, and, you know, because it's us, what if he saw Sasquatch? What if he saw a creature of some kind? Scared the shit out of Cryptid or not, cougar, mountain lion, yeah. uh, bear, whatever. And he saw something that no one else saw, and it scared him, and he just took off. And the fight or flight, and yeah. he, fl- he, he flew. Fl- he flew. And that would make sense. To me, that's the most logical thing. That he saw something that scared him that no one else saw because they were distracted by what he did. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? So it looked, it, going back to the very beginning, the Simon Gig guy said that it looked like he was going to take a piss. Yeah. Well, that's what he said. He told the mi- the the miner. The yeah, the guy, the miner that. But I mean, but hold on. Talking about mines, and this is a throwback to our uh, Skinwalker Ranch. Can you beach? If you think about that Skinwalker TV show on the History Channel. They stated when they got into one of those little caves up there that the that rocket scientist that was called out there mm-hmm. to basically shit on the theory, mm-hmm. he said he had that overwhelming sense of dread, like he had to get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it was like a panic attack setting on him. And that's been documented by a lot of people that go to Skinwalker. And I know that we're not talking about you went to Basin or stuff like that, but what if, you know, on the, on the track of paranormal cryptid bullshit whatever what if that was one he was near one of those mines and for some reason that mine kind of had the same mm-hmm. thing where it yeah. kind of gives off this yeah like uh, yeah like uh, the kenny beach thing yeah he said it, he just vibrates like and he knew he had to get out of there you know so yeah I mean, yeah you, i mean you could be could be but i mean it's just very sad and like what's going to happen Hopefully someday they find his remains so the parents can have closure. But I just don't see, I, don't, I just don't see someone with the the experience level he had being able to survive out there for a long period of time. Well, he didn't have anything with him either. Yeah, exactly. Like they he had said, no supplies. Yeah, no food. No water. It was going to get real cold real quick. Yeah, no knife. No nothing. You, if you run off into the woods without a knife, you're screwed. There's several, several things you need to survive, and I promise you a blade is number one on that list. Yes. So, yeah, I don't know. I, like, I can't. The 
Connie Marie Johnson, I think she had a medical emergency, some sort of stroke or something, and she just wandered off. And her dog followed her because the dog, that's what dogs do. And it's very sad, but I mean, 76 years old, it's not out of the realm of possibility that she had a stroke or something, got confused and just went off to her death. But the fact that they don't find her is strange. They don't find anything of her. The dog is found safe. And it said, uh, I'm not sure how long the dog was missing. Three weeks. The dog was missing for three weeks and found 15 miles away from where they were last seen. But the dog was in good health. The dog looked fed, not starving. It wasn't mangy. It wasn't dirty. It was just the dog. So who knows about her? Okay, so I finally got into the Facebook link, and it's finally, good God. It's broke. <laughs> I, I, I get the broke link thumbs up from Facebook, so they must have taken it down after their study. Yeah. No, this whole thing, though, it, this is all just the, the whole disappearance of one moment you're fine and one moment you're the whole missing 411 kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know, man. I, I think going back to the theories, I, I'm – I will side with you. He either saw something that scared the teetotal shit out of him that no one else saw, mm-hmm. or he got that feeling of fight or flight mm-hmm. just o- come over him, and he decided to well, and also, haul ass. I mean, and also the the text message of his dad to his dad saying he was leaving. I mean, there's you have to you have to consider there was something more. Yeah, there's something something else was going that, for him to just that moment within three days of arrival. He's going to be leaving. Yeah. within five. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, yeah, something odd. Maybe he had decided, you know, this job's not for me, and I'm going home to see my mom, be with her. But, again, it, I don't know. There's something going on that we just don't know. Mm-hmm. But, anyway, recommendations? Uh, I'm going to recommend. Uh, this artist, I don't understand how this person is not world famous. But I'm going to recommend an artist named Michael Reno Harrell. He is a small-time uh folk singer like country bluegrass type stuff from north carolina or uh, tennessee i think but man he is amazing look him up on pandora and just enjoy he's got so many good songs uh my wife and i went to see him in a bar in north carolina and there was seven people there and he is a travesty but i asked him i said you know i asked his wife i was like does he take requests and she said yeah if you want got a request he'll do requests this man played for two hours, and every other song he asked me to re- for a request, <laughs> and it was amazing. Because awesome. I had a list, I was I heard every song I wanted him to sing. He's like, "Man, you are a fan, ain't you?" And I was like, "Yeah, I told you." <laughs> but yeah, he'd sing a song, tell a story, and then he'd be like, "Hey, man, what you want here?" And I'd tell him, and he'd play it. It's like, "Good lord, that's awesome!" Look, look him up and listen to the song "East Kentucky Dream," and tell me he's not amazing. Just just listen to that one song. That's my recommendation. All right, so mine is another podcast, and it is In the Red Clay, and it follows anyone from Georgia will find this interesting. It follows the legend of Billy Sunday Burt, and he is supposedly the enforcer of the Dixie Mafia in the state of Georgia in the early 60s. I'm about five episodes in, and I am hooked, buddy. It is. He looks mean. I just looked him up. Billy, yeah, he was a big bastard, and his son is the one that helps 
detailed most of the stuff with the guy that started the podcast. And uh, it's real good. I mean, it is very good. Very good. I, but I love that old, that history stuff too. And the Dixie Mafia is so shrouded in mystery and stuff like that. That it, it it's, man, it's it's crazy what went on back then. Moonshining and stuff like that. So, but if you are interested in that sort of thing, the episodes are not very long. They're anywhere from 30 minutes to 55 minutes long. Since he was born in Barrow County in North Georgia, there's no Barrow County. Barrow. There's no Barrow. Where, where's Barrow? Barrow's over towards Athens, I thought. Uh, that's their definition of North, North Georgia, Georgia, yeah. There he is. The, uh, the whole thing. Well, they they called Austell West Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was like, y'all ain't got a fucking clue. <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah, Barrow County, like Winder, yeah. Jefferson. Okay. Yeah, they, it all centers around Winder, and the way that they the guy winds up kind of meeting Dude, that, Billy's son that, that tells is, the stories. He's trying to go legal making moonshine. That is east of Atlanta. Yeah. That is not North no, Georgia. No, it's not. <laughs> That's between Atlanta and Athens. Yeah. I'm sorry, but. That's not North Georgia. North Georgia is above. Ella J. Ella J. Yeah, <laughs> no. No, I wouldn't say <laughs> Cleveland, Helen, yeah. the Haversham County, all that stuff. Uh, uh, Calhoun, Dalton. Th- th- that's North Georgia. Yeah. Not not Winder or <laughs> Austell's. Not West Georgia either. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. But all right, uh, you got join us next else? time for our Georgia Geography podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Sunday Burt may be somebody that we kind of because he's there's some unsolved mis- or he's unsolved a, deaths around him. He's a murderer, man. He's yeah. in, he's in jail. I thought Billy was dead. Mm-mm. He said it. Well, he may be, but I'm looking at his mugshot on Murderpedia. He uh, had a speech impediment, which I think he probably killed some people over that. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to comment on anyone's speech impediment. So, well, all right, boys and girls, tune in next time when we do this week in Georgia geography. <laughs> But we're gonna get real heavy in the. We're gonna we're gonna draw out the 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 map and put a line where North Georgia starts. We're gonna educate you people. All right, boys and girls, y'all tune in next week. <laughs> Deuces.